Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. Here's a shocker. People do not want to go into the office on a daily basis anymore. In fact, the last search we completed had an overwhelming amount of people that would only be interested in a hybrid or a fully remote work situation. Quality of life has become far more important to people than a paycheck today. So we all had to pivot in the past year, but we should really embrace and capitalize on the opportunity that has been presented to us. That opportunity is the ability to raise the bar for talent within our company that is outside your geographical locale. I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. We help entrepreneurs and executives win the right hires. We do so by sharing insights from top-performing rebel entrepreneurs, game changers, and industry leaders like our guest today, Mr. Nick Yovacchini. He is a serial founder with a proven track record of building successful ventures in a wide range of industries. Companies founded by Nick have grossed over $70 million in revenue, sold 10 million plus in consumer products and provided hospitality to 1 million plus patrons. Nick is currently the co-founder of Kettlespace, a company enabling smart hybrid work solutions with software, workspaces and expertise. In his role as CEO at Kettlespace, Nick oversees product operations and growth, which is what makes Nick the perfect expert for today's topic. Nick, welcome to the Higher Power Radio show today. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Great to have you. I got to point out the swords. I'm a big fan of the swords behind you. Pirate swords? Yeah, I got some pirate swords. Also have a peace dove and a beer sign. So I'm just trying to kind of keep it balanced. (laughs) All right, cool. Well, today we're going to discuss why a hybrid model is here to stay and how you can actually run an effective hybrid hiring model and capitalize on the opportunity we have in front of us. Sound like a plan? Let's do it. All right, perfect. So let's start with the challenge today because a lot of companies are really pushing right now to get people back into the office. Now, I tend to be one of those people who I enjoy being in the office because I can't get much work done from home, especially now that my daughter's out of school. But the truth is that there are a lot of people that don't want to go back. Most. We've been deep down the rabbit hole of not only doing research, but also talking to many, many leaders, more than a thousand over the last year of folks that are tasked with figuring all this out. And there's a lot of research, there's a lot of data points, but net net, when you strip it all away, it's really clear. People don't want to be back in the office every day, nor do they want to be home every day. So it just forces this idea of a new equilibrium. Yeah. And let's talk about that article that just came out from the Apple letter to Tim Cook, where he actually received a letter that was authored by the workers saying, we don't understand us and we don't want to come back. Yeah. What was interesting about that, that was last week, is Apple came out and said something to the effect of, we're going to come back, but we're going to do so in a hybrid fashion, come back three days a week, which I imagine in a bubble sounded like a pretty reasonable compromise and embracing this mixed modality environment. But people came back and organized and said, you know, that's not enough and that's not dynamic enough to consider sort of everyone's preferences. And there are folks like you and there are folks on the other side of the spectrum that have really enjoyed and flourished under the fully remote model. So it's going to be a combination of the two that'll need to coexist. I just get a lot more work done at an office, but the truth is my office is a hybrid model too. I just need to be in a space where I'm around other people. That's the way I am. But we're still building our company remote as well. So there's only 
two of us that come into the office. Everybody else is completely 100% remote. There was a stat you shared with me too. What's the percentage of workers that said they're going to quit if they have to come back to work? 40% right now. And I read another one the other day that said 55% would contemplate changing jobs if they had to come back every day. So it's really forcing this remote or hybrid model. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because hybrid could have come along over the next five to 10 years without COVID. But as a result of the pandemic, it was everybody went from overnight for many folks, show up every day to not show up every day and stay home. And even though it was like this jarring experience for most of us, we settled in and we realized for many, life goes on, work goes on. A lot of companies are announcing higher productivity and we got some time back, whether it's a commute on the 405 or in my case, getting on the Metro North, racing for train schedules and that sort of thing. It's like, wow, that is a construct that I don't have to just accept anymore. So I think that's sort of a big part of it for a lot of people. So why do you feel that uh, entrepreneurs need to pay attention to this? Why is this important to their companies? At the end of the day, if you really step back into all this, and this is a loaded, I mean, the whole idea of hybrid is pretty complex because it involves real estate, facilities, HR, C-suite, culture, and talent acquisition. But at the end of the day, if you step back and you go, you know, ultimately, where does this fall? I believe it falls in kind of on the shoulders of talent retention and acquisition and creating advantages. Because if you look at Gen Z, just Gen Z alone, prior to the pandemic, it was very clear Gen Z folks cared more about work-life balance and mobility and flexibility, and they are going to become the majority of the workforce. And with the pandemic supported that that's a feasible model for many people. So whether or not companies are early adopters and really lean into embracing this and figuring it out and want to create those advantages early on, or they're going to come around as late adopters because the folks that they compete with talent for are earlier on and they are taking talent. Entrepreneurs in particular who are always on the edge of innovation and progression have an opportunity here to lean in early and create advantages. And when you can do that effectively, and it does require tooling and thought, and it needs to be coordinated well, in my opinion, but you can attract talent from all over the world, really. Yeah, that's true. It opens up a huge talent pool, for sure. Just think about it. There's something great about being able to pull somebody from Sandusky, Ohio, or some random place in the country who you can keep them engaged, they'll be into the work, and then you really don't have to fight off a whole lot of competition, which if you're a metropolitan area like Los Angeles or San Francisco or somewhere else, your people are going to be constantly hit up by recruiters and everybody else to come work for their company. So staying ahead of this puts you in a much stronger position for sure. Yeah. And when you have people that are living in Ohio or may have moved back, I read a stat not too long ago that 20 million Americans actually relocated during the pandemic and kept their jobs, which is sort of unprecedented in and of itself. When you allow folks to do that, they're also happier and they have a better work-life balance. Their well-being is better. They're more engaged, like you said, and you're going to also keep people. We all know that for every good person you lose, there's a bigger hole to fill. So it's both acquisition and retention, in my opinion. And I believe it's going to be an expectation of the workforce moving forward that there's a thoughtful solution, which isn't show up every day and isn't simply work from home for for everybody. That's so true. All right, you're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Gerard. And for our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. 
Hey, check out stridesearch.com. There you'll find a link to order Healing Career Wounds, which is available now. Let it be your startup secret weapon to attracting the strongest hires. Our guest today is Nick Lovacchini. He is the co-founder and CEO of Kettle Space. And we're discussing remote and hybrid work situations. So how do we solve this problem? What do we need to put in place in order for somebody to actually have a really strong hybrid model? Having spoken to so many companies figuring this out, one of the first steps that we've seen with the folks that are doing this more successfully is really gathering the right task force or subcommittee within an organization that can speak to the different perspectives that are impacted. So for a lot of folks, that's an HR perspective of facilities or real estate, finance, and then culture or C-suite engagement. And those are the core perspectives that need to be at the table. And then also gathering input from employees. I've seen it cut both ways. I think it's really important to engage employee base and listen. It's probably impossible to create something that satisfies every single employee's preferences, but it's about understanding, generally speaking, what the consensus may look like or where the polls are. I, I want to be home more. I want to be in the office more and at least being able to cater to that. So when you're gathering a task force people, what are you determining? You're determining really what the situation is going to be? Or are you talking a little bit about what this new shift looks like and how it affects the organization? I think it's more of the latter because it affects the organization in very concrete ways. There's a human resources and a people ops component that needs to be considered. It can't be a free for all. We've got to coordinate who's where and when and why. And that could be done on an organizational level, could be done on a team level, or it could be done on an individual level. And most likely it's some combination of all of those perspectives. So you might say our organization's hybrid approach is 40% of the time in the office, two days a week. But the tech team may only need to be in the office one day a week, and the creative team may need to be in the office three or four days a week. And that can change week by week. So, And then there's also a new host of choices versus policies or rules. But what was before just a given, you come into the office five days a week, and then was a rule, don't come in because we're concerned about everyone's safety, will become a combination or a blend of some choices and some rules. Stitching all of that together requires the right individuals around the table that can speak into what these new types of policies need to look like. And then carrying that over to hiring, those policies are going to be in and around where you can target from a geographical locale and how to go about targeting those people. Yeah, 100%. I imagine the number one question on most new potential candidates' mind outside of the, the basics of comp and sort of role and responsibilities title will be, is this an in-office position or remote position or are you hybrid? And if you're hybrid, what does that actually mean? And a lot of companies have been able to kick the can down the road. There's a McKinsey report came out recently that said 90% of all companies envisioned having some form of hybrid on the other side of global pandemic, but yet 70% still don't have a plan or a tool on how to do that. And that's a big number. Yeah, I don't doubt that. Startups have been started up that way. So we've probably all gone into a shared workspace like a WeWork or something like that. And now people disperse, they're working from home. Now they're probably the ones that want to come back and go into WeWork and the ones that aren't probably staying home. We had a search that we just completed where, like I said in the beginning, we had probably 65 to 70% of the people we talked to. That was one of the first questions they asked. Is it hybrid or remote? Can I stay home? We had three people that said, I've been working from home for a year. Please get me out of here. The adverse is true too. I think there are some people that are just tired of working from home for sure. Yeah. For us, hybrid isn't just 
the ability to work from home. Hybrid really is the coexistence of some stuff done in office or on site together and some done remotely. And I think we've all had those moments over this period of time where it's like, this is great. I don't have to commute or I get a little more time with my kids or whatever. But then those pain points of struggling to find rhythm and find that home life balance, the lines are blurred and, you know, in New York, working out of small apartments and just going stir crazy. So the promised land is both working together in our opinion. So what's the next piece after you gather task force? So got to put some framework around it. And that's where the solution that we've created helps companies do that. But whether you work with someone like us that's providing the tooling and the operating system, or you're going to do it in a homegrown way, you got to start with what are our goals? What objectives are we trying to optimize for? And it's usually not just one. There's generally a success metric that a company is familiar with, whether that's you're measuring employee NPS or you're measuring productivity by department based on whatever KPI, but really getting a handle on what a company cares about pre-hybrid, pre-COVID, and making sure that the hybrid solution ultimately guides the company along the path of what's most important. Defining those metrics is key. And then determining where, based on the feedback, most companies have surveyed and have a good start on this, of what flavor of hybrid we want to start with. Nobody's going to get this right on the first swing. It's too new. It's too complicated. There's so much change management. But we can pick a starting point. And even if that's like three days a week in the office, two days a week in the office, Monday and Fridays, whatever the configuration is going to be getting the initial framework and then it needs to be operationalized, communicated and sort of organized and coordinated. Sure. There's a lot of companies right now that are effectively going, they're conducting their meetings. Some people are in the office, the other people are on video. We're all making it work. So as long as you're just keeping that talent bar happy, that's really all that matters. And there are some companies that have seen quite a bit of productivity increase because of the fact that people are working at two, three in the morning. Yeah, we're all plugged in. So we might as well get the flexibility of the cuts on the other side of that. I really do think step one is, like you said, make sure it just works. And like we crawl, then we walk and then we run. I think over time, it needs to do more than just work. It actually needs to thrive. And that's going to take into consideration things that what I find fascinating about hybrid is right now we have everybody at home and our existing workspace. Like that's the problem set that's right in front of us. And booking and hoteling is like the first solution, but it really is going to go so much further beyond that because then we're going to go, okay, I've figured out how to generally get people in the office some and at home some. And then leases are going to come due and we're going to go, well, do we need that much space? Is that the right type of space? Can we let some go? And the answer to that is going to be yes, because you don't need as much space. And then there's going to be things like, well, am I bringing the right people together and are individuals or teams thriving under this blend of hybrid or should it be different based on teams and KPIs? And then like we talked about the hiring advantages and talent acquisition stuff that's going to become more and more important as a company is touting this as a reason to come work proliferates culture and all these other considerations start to become really impacted and relevant. But first things first, it's just got to start by working and then the future state stuff will evolve. So I found that the most important piece, and you mentioned this success metrics, so performance metrics, you really have to be holding that piece dear and really holding people accountable. Again, people want to perform, they're going to do well. You just have to make sure that there's that accountability structure put in place. And especially if you're hiring, those performance metrics should be laid out in the job description for 
everybody to see so they know exactly what they need to accomplish in the first 90 to 180 days. Yeah, totally. I mean, those success metrics are what drive the whole ship in a lot of ways. And we're going to effectively introduce a new variable that's never before sort of been studied in volume of what could impact those success metrics, which is where people are working. If we can collectively gather the right, I call it mixed modality data of where people are working, whether it's home, whether it's a third space near home, or whether it's in the office, and then we can triangulate that information, that data set against productivity going up or down or engagement going up or down, then that's how we can start to build the smarter hybrid over time and tying back to that idea that nobody's going to get this right out of the gate. But if you gather the right data and you nurture it, you monitor it, should be able to really refine it over time to make it truly competitive and best of all worlds. Yeah. And the key has been on the hiring front. If you're going out and recruiting people actively, personal information is the way to go. If you can get somebody's cell phone or personal email address, that's gold right now. So I'll yeah. drop a little plug for Chatterworks. It's important. The lines are being blurred now between an employee versus an individual. And we're all sort of living in that transition in a lot of ways. Very, very true. Now we've got that structure in place. What do we do now? Yeah. So you got your task force, you've got your plan. Now you need to execute and implement. And that's where the tool that we built, Kettle OS, comes into play. But there are others as well. But the idea is you've got this new coordination between primarily people time and spaces or locations, and that needs to be mapped. So whether you use an admin with an app, which is our product, or you use scheduling with spreadsheets and calendar invites, whatever the system is, it needs to be clear for everybody. What is the best productivity tool for measuring in a remote work environment? First, you have to study where people are working. That's the first data set that really hasn't been in a hybrid world, hasn't been something that has been a consideration. So we got to kind of understand where people are working. And then we have to make it clear to people what's a choice and what's a rule. An organization may say it's a rule that people need to be in the office at least two days a week, but it's a choice what days of the week you can come in. But it's a policy that when you make your choice the week before that you designate it and then it becomes known to the people that need to interact with that information. Sure. Is there a tool that you guys use that you're measuring productivity with? Yeah, I mean, we use the tool that we've created, which is called Kettle OS, but internally, depends on the department. Like with our sales team, we're measuring revenue and we're measuring outreach as a KPI that signals whether or not the performance is in line with goals. Operations have different KPIs as well. And we use employee NPS for engagement on our end. Those are the tools. What are the other pieces that are important? Launching, which is where a lot of companies are paralyzed right now. There's a fear of what's next and getting it wrong. But the reality is everyone's going to be learning through this process, employers and employees. So getting it launched, which means you got to have some change management considerations. You've got to have strong communications plans. You've got to communicate new behaviors that we're all having to adopt together, whether that's like make a reservation. And if you're not going to use it, be courteous and let it go. So we don't occupy space that we're not using. Small things like that. Those are new behaviors that'll need to be learned across an organization. And then it's the data collection piece after launch. And we suggest regular check-ins, whether that's monthly or quarterly, where you've gone, hey, we've tried this for a period of time. Let's go back to those metrics that we were talking about earlier. Let's look at where people were working. And it should be pretty clear if we're looking at the right metrics, whether this configuration is working for an individual or a team or whether it's not. And if it's not, we recalibrate and we 
go from 60-40 to 40-60 or whatever the adjustments that need to be made. And that's the name of the game. I mean, it's oddly very much like startup iterative methodology. We're in new territory. We need data. We need to listen to the market. And ultimately, if we're doing that test and learn approach, we'll find these optimized, really high quality solutions. So you mentioned operating system and tools, just getting back to the tool piece, having an operating system for every piece of your business, especially on the hiring side, a way in which everything is done is hugely instrumental in being able to get the strongest people on board. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And having an operating system for something as important as hiring is critical and something that absolutely needs to be operationalized, especially for early stage companies. And same kind of thing for hybrid. It's like there are ways to get this right and do both of these functions really well, but you have to have a system. Yeah. And you know what? We're already a year and a half into this, right? So you guys should be comfortable with the video platform and working remotely at this point, setting the right expectations and then making sure that you keep iterating and making it better is the only thing that's going to make you successful. Yeah, totally. That's the name of the game when global pandemic hits and you get whether knocked upside down and land on your feet or land on your head. There's a lot of opportunity in the world now for entrepreneurs in particular. There's so much change. So Nick, what would be two or three key takeaways you can give the audience to get plug into the business today? It's time to start working on solutions. Like we've got that stat from McKinsey where 70% of companies still don't have a plan or a tool. First steps first, start making those plans because we do need to settle this, at least on a first pass. Secondly, I would encourage everyone, leaders and employees to just take that this this is going to be a learning experience mentality and the more feedback and communication that can happen between different people figuring this out, you'll get to faster, better solutions in the long term. And then at the end of the day, this is going to come down to the talent and you want to keep your talent and you want them to be happy and you want to attract great talent. You're going to need this as a competitive advantage sooner rather than later. Yeah, most definitely. It's far more important than the paycheck for a lot of people. Key takeaway for me is, hey, look at you've got Kettle OS and you've got Higher OS, plug them together. You've got a win-win situation. There's your tools. <laughs> All right, Nick, thanks so much for your time investment today. And I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Now, what would be the best way in which members of our audience can reach you, find out more about your company? Feel free to email me, nick at kettlespace.com. Happy to be a thought partner talk it through if anybody needs any help. And your web address? Kettlespace.com. There you go. Thanks to our listening audience for tuning in this week's episode of Higher Power. A quick thanks to our team, Brian Colburn, Andrea Ballin, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. After all, this show is for you. And we love, love, love your feedback, even the bad one. You can join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher, H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O.com. Or you can drop me an email at rickatstridesearch.com. Tune in next Tuesday. Our guest is going to be Eris Fern. He is the founder of AllFinder. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn Live Show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to recruitment success, Rick Gerard.